1: This is a day I've been looking forward to for two and a half years. We're going to reimagine
0: Windows. We've created a platform attuned to consumers' changing behaviors and an evolving sense of play. Set out
2: to make the best watch in the world. We made the ultimate laptop. We made Surface Book.
0: This is it, Xbox One. And we are calling it iPhone. The latest news, the newest products, the biggest names. Welcome to Your Tech Report. Online at YourTechReport.com. Join Mitchell Whitfield and Marka Flalo for the next hour of Your Tech Report. And
3: welcome to it. I am Marka Flalo, as the wonderful accented woman said, live from Montreal, as always, joined by Mitchell Whitfield in Los Angeles. Mitchell, I hope the weather is treating you much better than it is to us in the nether regions
1: of Canada. You know, it's gotten so warm here in Los Angeles. I almost feel, you know what? I don't don't need to put this in the face of our Canadian listeners. They don't need to hear how warm it's been in the 70s and 80s. And yeah, so no, no, it's horrible weather here in SoCal. You're better off in Canada, as always. Beautiful country, beautiful people, better off in Canada.
3: Uh, and I enjoyed here I really do uh, if you're looking if you're looking to follow us please do on Twitter it is at your tech report, facebook.com slash your our email address as always is contact at your tech Mitchell um, you know we've got a really cool show lined up for people today um, we're gonna blast to the past a little bit we've got some cool interviews that uh, people have been asking for so we're going to give them a little taste of those interviews and that include Roku of course the Roku 4 recently released right before the holidays people are really into Roku EA Access really cool access to some games of the past and also preview you know games that are coming up Absolutely. and of course, Anki Overdrive I still I, that keynote I remember when they announced their product at Apple I know, what was it like 3-4 years ago not even 3 years ago 2-3 years ago man time is flying flying, flying by Mitchell but you know what and and I you know I talk about this all the time is I'm now
1: racing with four cars on Anki overdrive. These are four robotic basically robot control. These are little these cars have brains in them. Four at the same time which you can control manually with four people with you know i devices or you can let them go autonomously and watch them race. It is Mark. It is so much fun. And I've, of course, after people hear the interview, they're going to want to go out to their local either Big Box store, Target, go to Anki, you know, dot com. You're, they're going to want to
3: get one. I know you are definitely sure. going to want it. So, yeah. so, Mitchell, you know, it's funny. So, we talked last week. We talked to Michael Bancroft from Bloomberg about yeah. the situation with GoPro and how they've, you know, they've told people that it's not going to be the best year. And then, you know, moments after that, it's like they're playing the stock game almost. They announce a licensing deal with Microsoft. And, and there's no details. We have no idea what the licensing deal is. Who's going to benefit from this? Uh, in, the, in the what they're saying is that GoPro is going to be the big winner here because they're going to be using Microsoft's ex-fat system for storing media on their devices, because as you know right now, or if you don't know, we're going to tell you, is that the way GoPro stores data on their actual SD cards is that it splits things up every four gigs, because the file system can't handle it. Well, Microsoft has their XFAT system, which is this file system that allows you to store media in much larger chunks, so they won't need to split things up anymore. But other than that, no one has any details as to what this licensing deal really means.
1: Well, do you think there could be a tie-in here, and and just bear with me here for a second, into OneDrive somehow? Because we all know when it comes to, you know, Apple using, you know, Apple Apple cameras are the most popular on the planet, and of course we're talking about Apple devices and their built-in cameras, and one of the big draws right now is when people take video, they do not have to worry about where it goes, everything automatically is, you know, bumped to the cloud. Same thing can happen with OneDrive if this deal does include cloud storage, which is a big
3: deal. That would be a big deal, and it would be actually quite a big benefit to Microsoft as well, because obviously making it almost exclusive to their ecosystem. But of course, you know, GoPro I don't think is gonna say, you know, segment at the other part of their uh out of their user base. But yeah, I mean a really secretive secretive yeah, licensing agreement here.
1: Exactly. I don't think they're going to be isolating other users, but I think it's one of these things, and we've seen companies do this, where it's not an exclusive deal. We're not seeing exclusivity here. What we're seeing is if you do happen to be a Microsoft person, it will just enhance your experience that much more. That we have seen. It's a way for people to be open to different ecosystems, but definitely benefiting one sector in particular.
3: So tell me, I mean, I, you watch the Super Bowl probably more in depth than I did. because I did, I'm not I watched a big
1: every play. God help me, I watched every play. Yes.
3: Now, did you focus on the commercials as much as you do the game?
1: Uh, yes, I do. I make everyone, you know, everyone pretty much knows, you know, you want to watch, and there are only a few commercials that made me laugh out loud, and I mean genuinely, and that was, you know, I don't know how much of it you saw. First of all, I thought the game was very hard on the eyes. This game, you know and you have to think of this, Mark, this is the first time in years, and maybe we won't see this again for a long time, the first time that the actual best team in each conference actually made it to the Super Bowl, and you had the best offense with the Carolina Panthers going head-to-head against the best defense in the league in the Denver Broncos, so what you get, you got a whole lot of nothing. There was not one touchdown thrown by either quarterback, and this is Peyton Manning, who, yes, he's on the you know downside of his career. This might have been his last game, and but you had also Cam Newton, one of the bright stars, great arm, great running. Le- not a single touchdown was thrown my friend nailed it sitting with me she goes you know who's going to win this the last person to screw up the other you know is going to be the team that wins. the last team that screws you know doesn't screw up will be the team that wins because there were so many mistakes it was an ugly game but did you happen to see the commercial for Doritos when they were doing you know uh, when they were doing the ultrasound of the baby Oh, you no, didn't I didn't. No, okay. I didn't. Mar- I have. I have,
3: have not to, uh, caught up. Honestly, Mitchell, the ones that really stuck up with me were the. Just, uh, honestly, the movie trailers. I'm really excited right. for this year in movies because all the movies coming up. But but I have to catch up with all the actual you know commercial commercial content, so to right. speak.
1: Well, yeah, it, there were there were there were a couple of cute ones. Doritos was one, and then there was one I think for uh, avocados, like Mexican grown avocados year round, and it, the, the thing with Scott Bayo they did made me laugh. All in all. Pretty, you know, pretty quiet on the commercial front, and a pretty hard on the eyes game. The only nice thing that came out of it, Peyton Manning, who's had a great career known as being a great regular season quarterback, not so great in the playoffs actually didn't have a great regular season, but won the Super Bowl. So it's a great way if he does end it now, a great fairy tale ending to a great story. And uh, that was about it because the game was hideous to watch. I'm just going to be flat out and say it was hideous to watch.
3: I, I honestly, I, I was focusing in on some of the tech elements of it and some of the replays that they were testing. And you could tell they use this as a testing ground, use it, use this as a testing ground of course but intel was behind that 360 cam which right. is something they're definitely testing to obviously get better replays of touchdowns and, and things that happen some really cool tech and some really cool viewing angles that they were testing out for this game so i'm anxious to see how this is adapted to other sports as well because we know how everybody focuses on this game and uh, i think it's really really cool
1: you know, and I'm I'm surprised we haven't seen more tie-ins with individual devices, with people being able to control their experience with the game through their smartphone or through their tablet. And I think that's going to come up pretty soon in the next couple of Super Bowls. It has to.
3: Well, they I mean, they got to start giving people access to more real time stuff that's on demand, like those 360 cams. If those, if the data was stored online instantly and let you take control of it and do your own 360, I think that would be kind of cool. Um,
1: but, yeah, it's exactly what I'm saying. Take your control. You get the viewing angle that you want on your device exactly what I meant.
3: Like you're your own game director, so to speak. Yeah. Apple, you know, Apple's prepping for a pretty big quarter, I think, because they are launching more and more developer previews of their new software. We've got, you know, El Capitan updates down on the horizon. We've got, you know, Watch OS 2.2 and TVOS 9.2 and, and third betas of iOS 9.3 all on the ra- horizon. And they're saying March 15th is a date we're going to look for for the brand new uh, iPad Air 3 which I think that's is going to take a lot of the, the characteristics of that new iPad Pro.
1: Exactly. What are we hearing? The big thing is we're going to see a flash on the back of that. Uh, we're actually going to have a flash back on an iPad or on it for the first time. Where that's what we're hearing. And maybe some similar waterproofing. I don't know. What else have
3: you heard? Stereo speakers, kind of like yes. the iPad Pro. Um, they're yeah. saying that smart connector is going to make an appearance on the new iPad. Air 3, I, I would love to just, and this has been really quiet, and I, I don't know why, I'd love to see the pencil work on the iPad Air three. I think that's a no brainer in my opinion, but I don't no one's really talked about that.
1: No, I think it, it obviously it requires for the tracking elements of it and to, to make sure the latency is where they need it to be, which means very little latency, so it's a true drawing experience. I think it'll depend a lot on the on the generation of hardware. We might see that you know they do they do allow that you know compatibility, but only with let's say iPad Air two and moving forward. Yeah, I don't even know if the iPad Air two is going to be strong enough. The current one, I know obviously the new one. I think if we see compatibility, the three will. Um, but yeah, I, I, there's a lot of stuff that's going to be announced. And oh, by the way, little little trick for our listeners just just figured out something on my own we got a couple of emails about people's current Apple TVs not working so well and what to do about it and for those of you that did ask when you did you know Mark that when you reset your Apple TV, if you want to do a true reset on a generation two Apple TV, which obviously is two generations ago, you actually have to plug it in manually to your computer. Did you know that? No, I actually not. went through this. We had a, we had a reader, a reader, a reader of the website, yeah, but a listener on the show asked me about it. And I just said, you know what, before I answer this question on the air, I did it myself. So for those of you curious, there are issues with the Apple uh, TV second generation. If you want to do a clean reset, you actually must Plug it in to your computer to do the reset. It will not reset manually. There's no button on the back but like they have on their Express and the routers. Yeah. You actually have to do a hard reset that way. And I did it, and it works perfectly.
3: And that, used with the, that uses the, the micro USB connector or the, sorry, the USB 3 connector? It uses a micro USB
1: because it's yeah. Generation 2 we're talking about. And because you're using the USB, you actually don't have to plug in the power cable. It will draw the power enough power for the update right from your computer.
3: Kickstarter hit a big milestone this past week, uh, successfully funding a hundred thousand campaigns. Have you funded any wow. any crowdsource campaigns? No, I have not. And and until you get something that you really
1: love, well, you've done a couple Listen, of them, I've but again, you'll for this. Yeah, I, I, yeah I'm yeah, i afraid because all the things that I want to see on, on Kickstarter are all drones. And I'm afraid that we're going to have another one of these situations where the company just decides to not do it. But there are more successful ones than not successful ones. And I encourage people, obviously, if they're interested in technology and want to be from the ground, you know, from the being on the ground level, it's a great way to, to you know to source proper products.
3: One of the interesting facts that came out of this announcement from Kickstarter about their 100,000 projects is that only came from 86,101 creators. So that means that almost 14,000 successful campaigns came from people who realized they could make money off the Kickstarter bug. So it's interesting to see people trying to take advantage of obviously that crowdsourcing platform. It's a listen. It's a way to almost say, OK, this is a concept I have. Show me that you're interested in this. And if people are interested in this, then obviously there's a reason to to hang on to it.
1: And I think I think Kickstarter has also inspired uh, more creative ways of financing entertainment projects like video games, movies, and even television shows. so it isn't just for physical products like this we're seeing entertainment products that are you know like I said, movies, media being financed there as well so it's really changed the way that we not only consume it but create media now.
3: Well as I said, we have a great show lined up and we're going to take a quick break when we come back we're going to talk to the creators of Anki overdrive we've going to talk about EA. Access, a great way to get in on older games and, of course, preview new games. And, of course, Roku, that streaming media solution. Obvi- they almost invented the streaming media box, didn't they? Maybe not. I think they did, yeah. <laughs> it is Your Tech Report. He is Mitchell Whitfield in Los Angeles. I am Marco Flalo in Montreal. Again, if you want to get in touch with us on Twitter, it's at Your Tech Report. Facebook.com slash Your Tech Report. And, of course, our email address is contact at com. That's a lot, of, a, lot, a, lot, a lot to talk about, Mitchell. Yeah, I kind of let you take a breath there. You're so good at that stuff. And you know
1: what? We have some exciting news coming up. We're not going to say it now. We're not going to break it right now. But new relationships, new partnerships with new companies, companies that have been around but you've been asking for in terms of review products. We've reached out and we have some great new products that are going to be reviewed on this show
3: in the coming months. Let's take a break. We come back on Key Overdrive right here on Your Tech Report.
0: There's more Your Tech Report after this. To your Tech Report. I'm so
3: excited about this show, Mitchell. Welcome back to Your Tech Report, Mitchell Whitfield, Los Angeles. Mark Aflalo in Montreal. On Twitter, it is at Your Tech Report. Facebook.com/slash Your Tech Report, and of course, our email address, which is really important. Contact at YourTechReport.com. Someone emailed us about something, so we are going to talk about their email and the product soon on the show.
1: Okay, Mark. Now I'm really excited about this next interview, but I have to give you a little bit of a backstory to tell you why. Okay. okay? So. Now, this is something you're going to be familiar with. Um, back in the day, I used to be a huge slot car guy. I used to love slot car racing when I was a kid. Um, a lot of fun, but there was always the issue of, well, slot cars had issues, man. You'd get carpets stuck in a little in the little nubby on the car. The tracks would lose power. It was fun, but it was, it was full of issues. So a couple of years back, this fantastic company called Anki came out with a product that basically revolutionized the way that, men and men children like myself men children. forever thought exactly forever thought about slot car racing completely changed the face of this of this genre and rather than talk about it myself and tell you what Anki Drive and Anki Overdrive, their latest release is, we're bringing on Mark Palatucci, the co-founder and CPO of Anki, to talk about Overdrive. Mark, thank you so much for joining us.
2: Hi, thanks a lot for having me.
3: Mark, I, can I ask you a question that has nothing to do with your actual product? It, okay, it kind, of, <laughs> it kind of does.
2: Absolutely.
3: Mark, <laughs> you are the only person I've ever spoken to in my life who has attended an Apple keynote. Okay? <laughs> so I need to know. And it's hard. It's going to be hard to answer because I know that you're not only not only were you there experiencing the event, but words can probably not describe the nervousness that was going through your mind because your product is being demoed on stage for the first time ever. How did you feel?
2: Oh, we we're super nervous. Uh, you know, we had one of those apps that uh, can measure your uh, your pulse rate. We were sitting a, a few rows back. You know, with. Uh, um, you know, measuring the pulse it was probably about a hundred and twenty beats a minute just sitting at rest. So uh I, I definitely remember uh remember that being uh pretty nervous. But it was super exciting. You know, we were in completely stealth mode um leading up until the keynote. Um that was the very first time that we um showed or talked about um what we were doing publicly, so uh, yeah, super exciting, but
1: uh, yeah, very nerve-wracking. Well, well, Mark, you and your team did absolutely everything right because after watching that keynote, I immediately got on the phone with my partner, Mark, and we started talking about, oh my God, have you seen Anki Drive? So before we get into Anki Overdrive and talk about you know the upgrades that you guys did and sort of uh, the new look, talk about just Anki Drive in general for our listeners that aren't familiar. Tell them about Anki Drive and how it's pretty much changed the face of what we think of as traditional you know slot car racing.
2: Yeah, so Anki Drive, um, at its core, is a racing game. Um, The the big difference is that the cars are smart. Um, They're actually uh, tiny robots that uh, sense the track as they drive. Um, They relay their position information back to a smartphone. And uh, you download an app um, on your phone that lets you take control of one of the cars. But uh, what the app also does is it brings to life all of the other cars using um artificial intelligence and uh robotic technology so it's really like playing a video game but um, in physical form um, and the technology that our company is building really allows us to bring uh physical toys to life such that they're uh smart interactive ca- characters
1: and that's what kind of blew me away. And for people that really think of them as just as cars, they are tiny robots. And I, and actually, your background and your team's background, heavy background in robotics, yes?
2: That's right. Yeah, my um, my two co-founders and I all met while doing uh, Ph.D. Uh, work in uh, robotics and artificial intelligence. Um, we came out of the Robotics Institute at uh, Carnegie Mellon University. And, um, yeah, we met uh, going on about 11 years ago. and um, We started working on this um, sort of as a distraction. Um, you know, it was a lot more fun than working on uh, the PhD thesis, and uh, you know that was really the route that became the company. All
1: right, so here we are. We have we have these robotic cars, and on the original Anki Drive. Now, and this is going to move us forward to Anki Overdrive and what changes you guys made. I loved the look of the original, and it was really this elegant thing. You unrolled this mat; the mat became the track. It read the mat as a track. It was beautiful. Uh, but the only issue was that you were kind of bound to that one track that you know that was on the original mat that came with Anki Drive, with Overdrive, you really addressed that and now the track is more of a traditional track that can be made into many configurations. Tell us a little bit about the new track for Anki Overdrive.
2: Yeah, so with Overdrive, um, the biggest difference really is the, the modular track that you highlight. You know, from the very beginning, we always wanted to have uh, players be able to create, you know, whatever type of track or whatever world um, that they wanted. and um, you know, it ended up being a super, super difficult uh, technical problem. And because when when someone builds a track, you don't necessarily know ahead of time um, what they built. Um, with the old rollable maps in um, the first generation product, right, all the cars needed to do was kind of figure out where they were. But they kind of knew already um, what the track looked like. Right. Um, so you just have the problem of figuring out your position. Now they have to. Now the cars have to figure out not only their position but what. Does the, the actual track look like? If they want to, you know, take a, a turn at just the right angle, if they want to um, really drive in a you know, super fast, optimal way, they really need to know what that what that track looks like. So, you know, solving that ended up being, a, you know, a really hard technical problem. So, you know, we had to wait until our uh, generation two before we were able to get that, uh, you know, working as well as we wanted.
3: Mark, I guess a lot of that has to do with the AI that's in the actual cars itself. Now, while the AI kind of Spans across all the cars, you give each one of it, you know, each one of the cars its own personality. How do you kind of define that and how do you do that in the cars?
2: So, we have a whole um, small group of uh, of game designers here, and one of the things that we strive really hard is to bring um, these physical vehicles to life. Um, You know, we really think of them as characters with their own personalities, with their own strengths, with their own weaknesses. And, um, you know, we spent a lot of time trying to think about, um, you know, how these cars interact together and, uh, and what are the, the different sort of capabilities that we can give um, each of these vehicles that really, you know, tie into its personality and, uh, you know, its voice and its driving style and, uh, and these types of things.
1: You know what's really cool, and this is going a little bit off topic, but you'll see how I'll bring it right back to Anki, right back to you guys. Uh, I I loved role-playing games, and I loved uh, World of Warcraft I played. and You know, you played different characters. Some characters were tanks. They could take damage. Some were magic users. They could, But in a way, the robotic cars are very similar. You can have one that is more uh, adept at taking damage, one that is better at using, because the cars can also use these power-ups that allow you to either zap other cars on the track or use these uh, tractor beams to pull other cars and there really is a lot going on there, right?
2: Yeah, so each, um, each vehicle has um, both a weapon and a special item that it brings <laughs> uh, into each um, battle race. And um, as the player progresses through the game, um, we also have a, what we call the tournament. It's, uh, it's like a campaign mode. As they progress, they earn um, different upgrades for the vehicles and the player can then go and customize. Um, you know, Do I want this vehicle to be... More defensive and have more armor and have um, you know stronger energy. Um, do I want it to be more offensive and be able to you know increase the power of its weapons or the range of damage that you can um, inflict? And you know as you progress, you know depending on if you're playing other human players or if you're playing against um, you know the computer opponents and our virtual commanders um, that are kind of like a sequence of missions, um, you have to use different strategies and. Um, you know, some, some vehicles and some configurations end up working a lot better um, against some configurations and, or some commanders and others. So it's really, you know, giving that player the, the strategy, almost, you know, like you were saying, in a, in a role-playing sort of way, to be able to customize, um, you know, their vehicle and their driving style in order to progress through, um, you know, a sequence of different challenges.
3: Now, Mark, you know, we, we've heard discussion, we spoke to game designers who, when they're developing the AI, they could really, if they wanted to, program whatever it might be to just completely crush their opponent. Um, obviously, um, do, do you design the AI to really do whatever it can to just kill whoever is whoever's, whoever's, you know, battling against it, or is there some leniency
2: there? This is a, a super interesting question, and... Um, the truth is, in, in the very early, early prototypes, um, you know, in some of the very first um, kind of AI systems that we built, um, it wasn't as much fun as you would want or expect because the AI was too optimal, right? AI, in many ways, is is solving an optimization problem, and we had programmed this to, you know, figure out the best way to, you know, disable this person's car and and get them off the track. And um, if it's too hard, then um, the player has, you know, really no chance, and that just that ends up being um, not a lot of fun. And the interesting thing is, you know, the way that a computer sort of drives in an optimal way from a mathematics standpoint is very different than how a human um, or even a race car driver would drive on a track. So we ended up doing a lot of work on the AI system in order to have it display more human-like behavior and also kind of dial back its difficulty such that, you know, you can, you can realistically challenge it. And then, you know, as you progress through these virtual commanders and these missions that we have um, in the game, the commanders will get harder and harder. Um, and finding that, that balance about what's the right level of difficulty so it's not, you know, too difficult. And as you get better, you know, the game gets better, um, and it stays fun and engaging for a long period of time. It's a really, you know, delicate, um, hard problem that uh, we spend a lot of time thinking about.
1: Well, Mark, I I have to give kudos to you and your team because, and by the way, if you just joined us, we're talking to Mark Palatucci. He's the co-founder and CP, CP CPKO, I just a new title for the CPO of Anki. Uh I really have to give you kudos because the, the the balance of the AI was really wonderful. And this is one of the great things about Anki Drive. You can, as a single player, you can play against another car or multiple cars that are computer controlled. The challenge is there, but you can still be successful if you race correctly and use your weapons and, and you know and you're good Racer. It's also a great experience for people that want to join in with their own Apple iOS device, with their own screen and control their own car. The thing I wanted to touch on now, Mark, is when I took, you know, I got the uh, you guys were kind enough to, to send us some accessories but I, I went and picked up the starter set myself and when I set this thing up, I was pretty blown away out of, just out of the box, how easy it was to get everything set up and I think user experience is a big part of initial reaction to how consumers you know, see a product and I mean, I, I, I took the cars out without me doing anything, Mark they immediately attached to the Bluetooth on my phone started downloading information uh, the user experience, it's so simple, you guys made it so easy for anyone to jump in was this a big focus for you guys
2: absolutely um, one thing I'll also mention is that uh, it's you know we're available on Android devices as well as, oh,
1: that's, uh, right. Yeah. IOS. Even
2: though, that's right even that's right you know we did that that big keynote um, with Apple you know we launched an Android product um, soon afterwards with drive and with overdrive are actually out of the gate we're, uh, we're available on on both platforms and um, you know seeing uh, you a know, huge amount of adoption on Android Um, especially now that they have Bluetooth Low Energy, which is the the technology that we use to to communicate with the cars. Um, But to your question, yeah, absolutely. I mean, we have um, um, some really great um, user experience designers here. Um, It's a huge focus for us. Um, You know, we're trying to make that that first 10 minutes um, that someone spends with the product um, out of the box, Um, you know, just really as seamless as possible. And, uh, you know, we bring a lot of people in that have never... Um, seen the product before We we'll, you know we put them in a room and we say go you know with um with the app and we see you know what are the points where do they get frustrated um, and that helps us really refine uh refine the design uh, refine that kind of onboarding process of the new user and uh, yeah it's a huge huge focus for us um we feel it's critical um, to providing a great experience and a great product and uh, you know we're gonna continue to do that with with all the things that we do going forward
3: but you know let l- l- i wanna i wanna take things back for a second here. When you're working at the Robotics Institute of Carnegie Mellon and you're working there with your colleagues and you're, are you thinking in your head, I'm going to, I'm going to take all this education, this experience of Google, this experience of Intel and build a kick-ass game. Like at what point in your head did you go, this is really cool what I'm doing and this is what I want to do. Because I'm sure when you're in school, you're like, okay, well, where am I going to take this? I'm spending all this time, all this money, all this education, all this experience. are, Are you happy with where you are now? Because I think it's so cool what you're doing.
2: Yeah, the, the thing that we got really excited about is, you know, when, when myself and the two co-founders were, were in school, you know, what we realized that almost all the work going on there was for, um, you know, research. It was for, um, you know, industrial automation projects. It was for, um, you know, some stuff for the military uh, and DARPA. You know, but there was very, very little, um, you know, next to nothing that was actually being put. Into a consumer product, you know, kind of thing that you could sell, you know, in a Target or a you know, um, or a Toys R Us or Amazon, these kind of places. And really, what we saw as um, you know, big opportunity is to take um, all of this emerging you know science and uh, plummeting prices in computer hardware, and and really refine it into you know a product that you know could be smart and it could be applied to. Uh, a mass market product. And, uh, you know, you said you were a slot car person, you know, I played with slot cars a ton. Um, I was a big model, model person. Um, you know, we're all, um, all three co-founders are, are huge car lovers. Um, and we really saw an opportunity to go into, you know, what we saw as a very stagnant industry that hadn't changed in, you know, much in 50 years and do something that was, you know, was wildly more fun than than what existed before. And, you know, the platform and all the technology that we're building, um, you know, we see is very applicable to things, not just in entertainment, but to other applications of consumer robotics. So, um, you know, as a company, that's really what we're focused on is bringing, um, you know, bringing robotics to, you know, the mass market uh, consumer and uh, continuing to build, you know, smart products that, that people can use in their everyday lives.
3: Well, you know, you you said it best kind of in your answer is that in, in working in that kind of environment, people are working on these government projects, and that's the kind of, as a consumer, you know, when we think of, of people who have a background like that and education like that, we think of things that we probably never never see as a consumer, things that might end up in other products, et cetera, et cetera. But you, obviously, by bringing it to a consumer point of view, where do you see that technology that you're building today in a couple of years from now? Because, you know... You're building something that is way more than just usable in Anki.
2: Absolutely, I mean we we see that you know consumer robotics really as uh, an emerging industry, and I think um, you know just in the same way that you know mobile devices or the internet has touched you know so many different industries, we think robotics um, and AI is going to change many different industries. So you know we see huge applications of robotics around the home. Um, we see applications in healthcare. We see applications in Um, obviously entertainment, you know, that's kind of where we're focused right now. Um, you know, beyond that, manufacturing is, you know, only going to, um, use more and more, um, robotics. And, you know, when we think about the future five years from now or 10 years from now, you know, we don't think that there's going to be less robots. You know, we absolutely think that there's going to be more. And, uh, you know, we already see this revolution of, you know, smart devices. You know, people are running around with smart watches and fitness trackers and these types of things. And um, I think robotics is really the next um, step, you know, in that evolution of, you know, devices that not only sense the world, but they can reason about it, and then they can take some sort of action, um, and they can manipulate and articulate themselves in the world. Um, That's really, I think, kind of the the third phase. You know, people talk about this, you know, Internet of Things revolution, but, um, you know, we really see sort of an Internet of Robots. Um, you know coming in uh, the next few years and you know we're excited to be part of it
3: well and I want to I want to thank you because um, by releasing a product like anki you are exposing so many more people to what that world is and making it a much more palatable things for people to to see and adapt down the road
2: thank you
1: the product is Anki overdrive you can get it uh, the major retailers throughout North America. It's $149.99 for the Starter Pack. Starter Pack gets you two of these fantastic... And by the way, the cars... This one And and Mark, this is one of those products where you really have to see it in action. Anyone that has ever seen anyone racing any of the Anki cars using their iOS or Android device on a track, the second you see it, you have that I must have that sort of reaction. Everyone that I've shown it to has had that reaction. Uh, Mark, thank you so much for joining us on the show and we look forward to having you back again this has been a fantastic interview we'd love to have you back to talk about whatever you guys have coming up down the road
3: hey
2: thank you so much really uh
3: really enjoyed it i swear mitchell i could talk i, I really want to know all about that experience of being an apple keynote and i think we're going to get him on and just kind of talk about that when we can uh, do that after the holidays but we continue with some gift ideas on this week's edition of your tech report that of course was Anki drive but when we come back Gamers have some fun, too, with a very cool subscription service from Electronic Arts. And don't forget, still to come, Roku.
0: Your tech report will be right back.
3: Now, back to your tech report tis the season to be giving welcome back to your tech report Mark Flalo Montreal Mitchell Whitfield, in Los Angeles again on Twitter at your tech report facebook.com slash your tech report and our email address is contact at your tech and you want to use that email address just like our friend Madison did Sent us in a question about gaming specific to this next interview.
1: Now, Mark, as we've talked uh, uh, on several episodes, this has been a huge year, and this time of year particular for gamers, right? This has been yeah, an incredible year. For, I mean, we've reviewed some incredible games, and we're very lucky to have EA on board. Electronic Arts, one of the biggest game publishers, uh, game developers I, I on the I've planet. Heard of yeah, you think, I think might I've heard of them. EA, right? <laughs> uh, and this has been a fantastic year for EA in particular. We've we've given great reviews, of course, to NHL 16 and FIFA 16. I think NBA Live is heading in the right direction now with a great bounce back here, but there's something from EA that our listeners may not be familiar with, I, I, although I can't believe that anything EA they wouldn't know, but there's, there's a service they have. It's a, it's a relatively new service they have called EA Access, and rather than tell it to you myself what the service is, we brought in EA Access's Director of Marketing, Douglas Kennedy, to talk about the service. Douglas, thanks for joining us on
4: the show today. Yeah, thanks for having me. It's great to be here.
1: Now, I, I, I would rather you explain or tell, tell our listeners who are not familiar with it, what is EA Access?
4: Sure. Yeah, it's a, uh, it's a subscription service that's exclusive to Xbox One to really bring out the best of EA games. And it's focused on three key features. Uh, one is that members can play full EA games before they're released. Uh, so Star Wars Battlefront was our, our latest trial. Um, and all of that progress that people make during those trials carries over if people decide to buy it, which is really neat. Uh, the second benefit is uh, called the Vault, which is really you know our core value here, which expands players' libraries to you know the best of EA games. Uh, we currently have about 14 games in the Vault. Um, we're always adding more over time, so that value just grows. Um, and the final benefit, which uh, is the ability for members to save 10% on all digital EA purchases, so things like DLC, full games, multi-team points, all of that fun stuff. Um, and it's all just you know five bucks a month or 30 bucks a year I, th- I, 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 I
3: love I love the subscription model I I can't I can't complain I just have to throw that statement in I love I love the fact that paying monthly gives me access to stuff I wouldn't have otherwise
1: no no it's it's brilliant yeah. I uh, and I have to start off Douglas, I have to start off with battlefront because that is a huge game for you guys I actually you guys were kind enough to give me a one month code although I really think it's a cruel thing to do because now I have <laughs> the one month code and, and now you're gonna take it away from me and I can't let that happen so you going to have a new customer on your hands in about 10 days. So basically, Aww. I jump on board. I got my <clears throat> subscription. Oh, it's great. And I started playing Battlefront several days early. And as you said, the really cool thing is, not only did I get in early on a game that I was very excited to play, but now all the stats, I think I probably got to maybe level 6 or 7 in the first day. You could say I was I was binge playing a little bit. And now, all those statistics, everything I gained, all the weapons that unlocked for me, as you mentioned, they are now permanently unlocked for me when I play the retail version. I don't have to worry about, it's a tease, and I have to rearm myself, everything is there for me once I jump into the retail version, right?
4: Correct, yeah, yeah. It's a little different than a beta, like, it's the actual full game, and so all of that stuff yep. carries it over, which is really neat.
1: Now, now to, to, I want to put this in perspective. Mark, you're listening. You, you know that I buy a lot of games, and there are certain things that they do. They put out you know digital deluxe versions or special deluxe versions of games uh, for for certain games that come out to entice people. as sort of an added value. The nice thing is you guys aren't doing that here. You're not charging more for the game. The service on its own you're paying for, and like you said, $4.99 a month, $30 for the entire year, which is a great, great value, but I get in On the game early, a lot of games, Douglas, do you find that a lot of other uh, publishers and developers, they are using this, this get in early. They're making people pay $10 extra for a special version of the game. You guys are not doing that. We'll have access to every EA game early as long as we're members, correct?
4: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Something like that.
1: You know, guys, there there is a question I wanted to ask because I think there are times when big publishers get a bad rap, and that rap is, oh, the publishers don't care about their audience and the gamers. And I really don't think that's true, especially when it comes to EA, because if you look at EA Access and the services and the product that you're getting, I really think it's giving something great back to gamers at a great price point. Uh, Don't you think that's the case? I think that EA Douglas, I think that EA really has gone out of its way, uh, especially with the service to give back to the gamers. Wouldn't I, you say I that's I think true?
3: gamers actually get more than EA probably does out of this deal. <laughs>
4: <laughs> yeah. yeah, well, you know, we're always looking at ways to deliver for players. And, and for me, it's been a blast working on a product that people love. Um, and so far, we've really been met with overwhelming support from the community um, because, like you guys said, you know, this offer kind of seems too good to be true. Um, so we get the entire range from, like, what's the catch? Come on, to this is the best thing that's ever happened to gaming. Um, and we like to think it is, you know, and, and we'll see what, what happens in the future.
3: What kind of reaction are you getting from your fans? I know that you guys are big into interacting with the community. Are you getting good feedback?
4: Yeah, you know, it's always neat to work on a product that people love. Um, and so far we've been met with overwhelming support from the community, you know, kind of despite the the big bad publisher rap, um, but this offer almost seems too good to be true. So we get that um, that kind of range of commentary from like, all right, what's, what's the catch here? you know, this is the best thing that's happened to gaming. Um, and so it's just—it's been really neat to to be part of that.
1: Now I, I don't know if we mentioned this because I'm I'm getting old now and I tend to forget. But uh, if you if we didn't mention this, I want to touch upon this. So in addition to the fact that you can get in and play games early, in addition uh, for the for the brand new games that have just come out, and in addition to the fact that you have the vault, which has games full games that you can play and have for as long as you're a member. In addition to that, you can also sample games that have been recently released by EA to get a taste of those games as well to see if that's something you want to purchase. Am I right here Douglas?
4: Yeah yeah those play first trials kind of stick around too so that um, you know it's not just a, a window that ends once the game is released people can go back and play so you know if you're new to the franchise if you're new to the game you can you can pick it up and test it out.
1: Okay uh, now Mark you have to you bear with me listen to me on this one because I want to make sure that I'm presenting this correctly and I'm not missing anything because it seems a little crazy so EA Access mm-hmm. uh, you get access to games full versions of the games early okay you also get a ton of free titles from the vault and, and as Douglas was saying, you have a bunch of, right now they're around 14 available, from sports to RPGs to shooters, everything. You also get 10% off digitally downloaded EA games. So, uh, like you said, you get that reaction, am I missing something here? It almost really seems like a no-brainer, and the best value seems to be the yearly membership, which brings it down to around $2.50 a month. Wow. And for that cost, you have that full library, discounts, what are we missing here? Because I, I know you get asked that a lot, but how
3: could this be? How could you guys afford to do this?
4: Yeah, yeah. I mean, it really, it really is that, that good. Like I said, um, you know, it pays for itself in the first month. Typically, you know, people come in. Um, by the time they, they save the discount, their membership is already free at, at that point. Um, and we see that members really take advantage of that ten percent off discount too. So they're coming in, they're buying a lot of stuff, whether or not it's DLC or, or Ultimate Team points or something like that. Um, but yeah, it is just that good. I mean, that's. That's the whole fun.
3: <laughs> there's there's one thing I wanted to mention to people because uh, we, you know we have a lot of feedback from our listeners and and we kind of tease in this interview is coming up and people are asking us whether or not Access was a streaming service kind of like uh, you know you know. PlayStation now, but it's not. You're
4: getting you're getting full copies downloaded, correct? Correct. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. It downloads to your hard drive, and you have it for the uh, you know the life of the service as long as you subscribe.
1: Uh, one of the things I also wanted to touch on, Douglas, and this becomes and, and if you're if you're just joining us, we're talking with Douglas Kennedy, director of marketing for EA Access, the great new subscription service. And if you're looking for a gift for the gamer in your life, uh, this would be the gift to get for people. What do you find uh, from the people that are talking to you when the feedback that you get? What are what are the other features that Maybe you guys haven't included yet into Access that you could include sometime in the future.
4: Oh, interesting. Um, you know, a lot of people are, are, are uh, interested in tournaments or the ability to uh, to have rankings or to share with their friends. So, of course, we're always looking at ways to uh, deliver games to our fans, deliver games in a better way that's um, more suited for them. So, um, you know, we're always working on that.
1: Uh, one last thing I want to touch upon is uh, I couldn't get all out in one sentence. Uh and, and any of these services as great as they are if they don't have an elegant interface something that makes it easy for the user to dive in to know how to use the system when I jumped in the second I jumped in with the EA Access whoever designed the UI and your team did a brilliant, brilliant job it's completely pardon the pun accessible very easy to use very easy to shop and see what you get I mean, we take that for granted we kind of think it's oh, well every, every system should have that but it's not like that with digital offerings having a clean interface for for the user making it simple is really key to having them stay on board and want to buy and i think you guys did a great job of creating a brilliant user interface
4: thank you thank you so much yeah we put a lot in you know it's, it's really um we live to play at ea and we have that player first approach and so making things as uh, barrier free and as streamlined as easy to use incredibly important for us
1: Well, you know what? Uh, Because this is an ongoing service, we know there are going to be features that are going to be added. New games are going to be added into the vault. There are going to be new games to get discounts on. Douglas, we would love to have you back another time, another day, to talk to us about how EA Access evolves over time. So hopefully you'll come back and chat with us again.
4: Yeah, of course. Are you kidding me? I'd love to. Are you
3: shopping around for a streaming media device but not sure which one? We have one that you're going to want to consider. It's Roku when we come back right here on your tech report. Get in touch with us on Twitter. It's at your tech report, Facebook.com slash your tech report.
0: There's more your tech report after this. Now, back to your tech report.
3: Welcome back. Marco Lalo in Montreal, I'm joined by my co-host, of course, Mitchell Whitfield in Los Angeles. You want to get in touch with us? No problem. On Twitter, it's at your tech report, Facebook.com slash yourtechreport. And, of course, our email address is contact at yourtechreport.com. So, Mitchell, as you know, we're talking about products we love. And one of the companies that obviously came to my mind, and I'm not going to lie, I've been working on this for quite some time, is Roku. Because in this world of online streaming entertainment, you and I... <laughs> Have always gravitated towards Roku for for one reason or another. I think what you originally, originally you introduced me to the company when I was at your house in California.
1: Absolutely, and and while there are other companies that may dabble in streaming, in streaming devices for digital media, this is what Roku does, and they do it better than anyone. And honestly, they really do.
3: And you're not, I know, I know you're not just saying that because oh, no. we happen to have the Sultan of Streaming himself, Lloyd Clark from Roku, on the line with us. Lloyd, how are you?
5: I'm doing well. You said you were going to say that, but thank you very much.
3: Actually, I think I told you I was going <laughs> yeah, to say Yeah, we said it. we would. We, we,
1: we were honest about it.
3: Now, you know what, Lloyd? We were talking off the air, and I, 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 we always do this. We get into conversations off the air that we realize, wait a second, this is good entertainment. We should really bring it to our listeners because a lot of people are, are sadly enough, I know a lot of people don't have media players. Um, those that don't and come to me for recommendations, I always point them in Roku's direction. Because of the fact that you've got over, I mean, over 1,700 channels of content, content, whether it be Netflix, uh, Cineplex, Google Play, services like Sky News and stuff that you wouldn't even have thought of had streaming services. Roku, you've been doing this for a very, very, very long time. But more than just the actual fact that you have all these services, the functionality of Roku's boxes, all the way from the Roku 1 to the, the new Roku 4 that you're going to tell us about, um, the hardware itself innovates. You've got a headphone jack on the remote. Come on. That's a no-brainer.
5: It's just awesome. We have a lot of customers that call that the marriage saver.
3: <laughs> it absolutely is. You know how many even devices we test, Mitchell and I, and, and the, I've always wondered. They're Bluetooth-enabled, some of them. I'm like, wh- where, is the, where is the logic here? Why can't I pair some kind of wireless headset? Why do I have to go spend $150 on a, on a, on a 2.4 gigahertz wireless headset from some random company just to, and figure out what to plug into where this is a no-brainer? Anyhow. Lloyd, you're here, to talk, you're here to talk about the new Roku 4, right? I am. It's one of my favorite products. Tell me about the Roku 4 because in Canada, I'm not able to get my hands on it. Mitchell, Aww, of course, has one so en route to his direction. Yeah. But how could you possibly innovate more than you have?
5: Well, we just keep on doing what we keep on doing, which is we, we better ourselves every year. And, and Roku 4 is absolutely the best one that we've ever made. This is, uh, this is our pinnacle. Uh, it's a fantastic streamer. It's it, it's got so much packed into this uh, little player. Uh, of course, one of the 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 premier features of this product is something that works with all these new televisions that are come out that have 4K. And uh, this player will do full 4K at 60 frames per second. So that some people call that UHD. Uh, it is an amazing picture quality out of this product.
1: Oh, no, it, it is absolutely gorgeous, and it, it, it's more than just that. But right, we, we joke up there, but wait, there's more. Uh, <laughs> as, as Mark said, you know, you guys were the first to actually have a headphone jack on the remote, the marriage saver, as you called it. Uh, but now you're also including the headphones in the package, and there's also, uh, this this is brilliant, it's such a small touch, Lloyd, but so important. You actually include a lost remote finder <laughs> in into the, it's actually built into the road. box you can actually touch a button on the box and it will find your remote for you?
5: It is so fun because there's a lot of technology in this product you know we we put our best processor our best Wi-Fi there's a lot of things that make the streaming really really powerful Uh, but there's these other fun features that we we spent all day thinking about streaming and here's one that we wanted to do for a while and that's that lost remote finder because I don't know if it happens to you but when my 15 year old takes the remote and leaves it in the kitchen or my five-year-old loses the remote in the cushion, I can press the button on my Roku 4, and it'll send a beacon to my remote, and my remote will make a, a wonderful noise. And you can even, <laughs> listen to this, you can even change the tone that it makes uh, to whatever you like. There's a number of different default tones in there, including a wolf whistle, including a lot of fun things. Uh, it's it's one of those tech features that is really useful and a lot of fun.
3: I want to kind of point us in the direction of software, because... Mitchell and I talk about this all the time, that that there's not that much hardware innovation that we're seeing as rapidly as we used to. People are spending more time releasing hardware when it's ready, but focusing a lot of time on the software and the experience. And Roku's no different in that case, because there's a brand new OS that extends to the apps. Tell us about the operating system and what sets it apart.
5: That's one of the things that we've been working on from day one, and that's making streaming really easy, whether it's easy to set up or whether it's easy to use. And easy to use means a very simple, straightforward uh, user interface or on-screen experience or whatever you want to call it. It's it's the thing that you look at before you get to the show that you want to watch. And honestly, we want people to spend less time looking at our UI and more time watching shows. That's why we make it so fast to get to the show that you want to watch. We include things like universal search, where you can search across the top uh, uh, channels on our platform and you can get to the movie that you want or the actor that you're interested in. We've added something called Roku Feed, which you can now follow items that you're interested in. Let's say you're interested in a, an actress or an actor. Uh, I like Morgan Freeman, so I've got Morgan Freeman in my feed. When something new that Morgan had done comes onto the platform, it immediately pops into my feed and I can watch it straight from there.
1: Uh, you know, I, I, I couldn't agree with you more, Mark and Lloyd, as well, uh, because the user interface, like like you said, Lloyd, you don't want them spending too much time there. It, it's sort of like a referee in sports. Uh, you, if you don't hear about it, then you know they're doing their job right. And if people aren't talking about the interface and getting right to the shows they want, you know you guys have done your job well. If they're tied up in the interface, it, it's it's not a good thing. But not only have you interv- innovated on the interface side, I think it, I use the term future proof, even though there's really no such thing, because then how could we look forward to Roku 5 and beyond, but you did a really good job of future-proofing this particular device. You already said it does 4K. It has the updated HDMI port for 2.2, you know, HDCP, so you don't have to worry about compatibility with those sort of ports. I, I I thought the Roku 3 was incredibly snappy and powerful with a dual-core processor. You guys went ahead and put a quad-core processor in this thing, so it really is a beast, and all these things come together to make it work really well in the background so the user never knows, right? They just have a beautiful experience, but there's a lot of tech behind that great experience.
5: There is definitely a lot of tech inside this product, and what we do on a regular basis to all of our, our products is that we send out software updates. So this new Roku OS 7 that we're just launching, it goes to all the current generation products. Even if you've already bought one before, you're still going to get that. We constantly send out these new features. And we've also updated our mobile app. I don't know if you've had a chance to look at that, but it's a brand new interface on that. Uh, it was Something that we use in our home quite a bit is sending photos or small videos or or even music from my mobile to the, to the big screen. Uh, it's... It's something that you got to try
3: out. We are talking to uh, Lloyd Clark, the sultan of streaming over at Roku, all about the brand new <laughs> Roku 4, the new operating system. So so tell me something, Lloyd, as a sultan of streaming, okay, th- this is a debate I think we're going to have for quite some time. We've got our traditional, you know, cable companies and satellite companies who are delivering television over, you know, obviously satellites and coax. But this push towards streaming is, is becoming obviously much larger and, and greater, and I guess once bandwidth really doesn't become an issue anymore, there will be no barriers. So what is next? Is Roku Is Roku what is next, really?
5: Roku, for a long time, our founder, Anthony Wood, who, who there's the prince of product, uh, he's fantastic in, in seeing this vision of streaming. He said it for many years now that all TV will be streamed over the Internet. And yep. We're getting so close to that now so that customers have choice and control. They can get to whatever show they want to get to any time of day or night. I don't know if you grew up the same way I grew up, but Thursday nights used to be, you know, always one show at 8 o'clock or Saturday nights was a a different show at 10 o'clock. Yep. Uh, Now my kids or I can choose whatever I want to watch. And that's uh, that's what we see for the future of television is that you get to choose what you want to watch and when you want to watch it.
1: Well, uh, uh, Lloyd, I'm, I'm not joking when I say this or trying to you know, stroke the ego, but I really do believe that Roku is a big part of this push forward in sort of the evolution of entertainment because – and this is something Mark and I talk about. He sort of touched upon this in his last question, but we, we kind of both agree that the the current model, the, the, um, the, the current model that we have now for television, the way that it works uh, with products being advertised and sponsorship, that current model – is probably going to go the way of the dodo because people now see that when they have a choice to watch their program whenever they want and to buy it whenever they want and watch however they want, that is going to be the model of the future. The the, the current model of, of advertising-based things, that's pretty much going to go away because you guys have given people the choice. I think we're going to see more television shows produced on a per-episode basis because of products like Roku.
5: Yeah, it's fun to watch all these streaming-only shows come on. Uh, I don't know if you've got your favorites. I sure have mine.
1: Daredevil. Uh, but I,
5: I, I, I still love those long uh, feature movies, too. And when I can get those on, on my Roku, it's, it's always fun for the family to gather around.
3: The brand new Roku 4, I guess, available at your favorite online retailer. $129 US. I'm hoping maybe some Black Friday deals are coming up. Um, what's the what's <laughs> release like in Canada? Because we've got a, a good portion of our audience in Canada. Do you know when uh, we're going to see that in stores here?
5: Well, I happen to be a Canadian myself, so I can tell you we're working hard on it. I don't have a date for you, but right now it is available across the United States, like you said, at .com or at a store close to you.
3: Love it. Lloyd Clark, Sultan of Streaming, thank you so much for joining us, and we hope to have you on again soon to talk about some more Roku innovation. Thanks so much. Mitchell, that's all the time we got for this wonderful edition. I think we'll continue this kind of holiday uh, gift-giving approach as the, uh, as the year comes to an end. On behalf of Mitchell Whitfield, I am Mark Aflalo. Thank you again for joining us right here on Your Tech Report.
0: You've been tuned in to Your Tech Report. Join us again next week for another edition. And be sure to follow Your Tech Report online. Email us, contact at yourtechreport.com. Follow us on Twitter at Your Tech Report. Like us on facebook.com slash yourtechreport. For the latest in breaking tech news and reviews, yourtechreport.com.